Lower the blast shields. It's getting dangerous out there. Blast shields lowering. Full perimeter security enabled. Robot sensors on. Laser cannons armed. Hope the rest of you are staying safe. It's dangerous out there. It's dangerous. It's dangerous out there, I say. Do you know why it's so dangerous out there? Because the weather's nice and we've been cooped up and people just need to get out. Just need to get out and get some exercise. So we've got protest theater breaking out everywhere. Uh, But let's talk about the good news first. Want to hear the good news? I think you saw it. Was that the coolest rocket launch ever? I swear I've never needed a rocket launch as much as much as I needed that rocket launch. That was the rocket launch of all rocket launches. If you watched it live, I don't, I'm not sure if it has the same impact if you watch it um, undelayed. But knowing that so many people were watching it with sort of the, the hopes the hopes of the nation, I would say, if not the world, mostly the nation. But it was sort of like the hopes of the nation were, you know, focused on that that moment. And didn't you feel like, didn't you feel like we just needed to do something right? We meaning people in the United States. You know, you and I didn't have anything to do with it. (laughs) You and I don't get any credit at all. But don't you like that some you know, large entities, in this case SpaceX and NASA, and our government, don't you like that these large entities, which are American entities, did something that was so right, just so right? It was beyond technology. It actually achieved, I think, art. Now, I would say that about a lot of Apple products. You know, you could say that Apple products were, you know, technology and they were tools, but they were also art. Steve Jobs made it so. And I think uh, Elon Musk is certainly operating at that same level, where I don't think he's happy with technology. I don't think he's happy making a product. It feels like he's making art. And here's the fun thing. You know, obviously, um, the United States has to get pretty serious about space, both government-wise and and, uh, private-wise, private company-wise, because there's so much national defense, you know, purposes up there. But also, apparently, there's just enormous wealth to be mined by whoever can get up there economically. And if Elon Musk is the first one to be able to mine space or actually colonize space or become the primary uh, the primary transportation in space do you know how rich he's going to be let, let me let me put it in these terms it is not impossible that someday Elon Musk will, wait for it, own a planet. 
Because what are the rules about who owns a planet? If you had a private company that was the first one to get to a planet, do you get to keep it? Does anybody know what the, what the rules are for that? If Elon Musk, let's say Elon Musk is 90 years old and going strong because he's, he's using the blood of young children or something, so he's, he's staying young, but he's 90 years old, and by now he's, you know, he's probably a trillionaire just by the normal compounding of money and his investments. But by the age of 90, he's created such an efficient private enterprise in space that he could actually send a rocket out with enough technology on it to colonize a planet even without people on it. So perhaps we could operate things from a distance. We could send some robots uh, by, by rocket. The robots could build some kind of a structure and they can do some geo-shaping and, and turn, turn the planet into a proper little planet that humans can someday operate. The, I think... Honest to God, I think Elon Musk is going to be the first human to own his own planet. He might not ever be physically on that planet because of the distance, but I think he's going to own a planet someday. Yeah, I don't think you can own the moon. I don't, I don't know what the law is on that, but I don't think you can own it. Um, anyway, so that, that was inspiring. Um, the funniest thing that happened at the riots today, and there are quite a few, uh, quite a few uh, candidates for the funniest thing that happened, is <laughs> did you see did you see Alex Jones? <laughs> this is the funniest thing. Alex Jones uh, somehow got an armored vehicle <laughs> with a loudspeaker on it. And it looked like it was, I don't, I don't know, a Hummer that had been outfitted with, you know, some kind of uh, armor. So Alex Jones drives, like, into the middle of... <laughs> into the middle of the protests. And I'm not sure which city it was. Not that it mattered, because all the cities, the protests are looking pretty similar. But he drives into the middle of it, and he's sort of trapped in traffic with everybody else. And he's on his loudspeaker saying, people, we're all in it together. We're all on the same side. <laughs> and the, the Antifa and the other protesters are just destroying his, just destroying his armored vehicle. They're like, <laughs> they're throwing bricks at it. They're breaking the windows. And he's just thought, we're all on the same side. <laughs> and I got to tell you, if you can say what you want about Alex Jones, you know I will welcome you to your own, you know, individual opinion on Infowars and Alex Jones. I know he's polarizing, but there's one thing you can't take away from him: the man knows how to do marketing. <laughs> that was the most clever, ballsy marketing I've ever seen, <laughs> because you, you're all going to go look for that video now. It was freaking hilarious. People, we're all in it together, <laughs> and they're just attacking him. <laughs> they're ripping up his armored vehicle. <laughs> ah, Alex Jones for the win on marketing. <laughs> oh, 
was the funniest thing today. Uh, but it wasn't the only funny thing. So, uh, <laughs> have you seen the video of Batman? There's a video I just saw. It'll probably be going around later tonight. Of somebody dressed in a Batman costume. <laughs> and the cameraman just sort of follows Batman through the crowd. <laughs> and all he does, he doesn't do anything except walk through the crowd and act like he's actually Batman. <laughs> and everybody stops. They're like, okay, I guess Batman's here now. So <laughs> oh, okay, so Batman was funny. All right. So I tweeted this joke that I knew at least one-third of the people wouldn't think it was a joke. So now I've got you know Nicholas Fuentes and... And, and the gripers are, are tweeting at me, and but I, th- I think I think Nicholas Fuentes, I think he's smart enough to know it was a joke. I'm not sure that the other people have quite caught on yet that it was a joke. But here here was my tweet. I said, watching uh, Antifa fuck up the Black Lives Movement, uh, I'm sorry, the Black Lives Matter protests, uh, makes makes me <laughs> makes me think Black Lives Matter has a point about white people. Now, if you can't tell that's a joke, <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, really? Now, the reason that it's, it's funny at all is because there's some truth to it. But, of course, like all jokes, it, it acts like something with a little bit of truth or some kind of universal truth, which, of course, it's not. But that's what makes it a joke, is that your brain is trying to, is trying to reconcile that it's a little bit true, but it's not really sort of generally true, so you know you have to wrestle with it a little bit. That's what makes it funny. That's what triggers the laugh reflex that it almost makes sense but doesn't. So remember, that's the whole point of a joke, is that it almost makes sense, but it doesn't. <laughs> so it is true that Antifa is messing up what should have been a very clean and effective Black Lives Matter message. Because that video, that video made it, um, it made it very possible for Black Lives Matter to really gain a lot in terms of, you know, empathy and understanding, political clout, maybe get some things changed, maybe get some movement, and maybe make a difference. There were all these things that could have easily come out of this. And I think Antifa is the one breaking the windows, right? Now, I've seen a few videos of Black Lives Matter activists yelling at these white Antifa people who are breaking up, you know, they're messing up property. And Black Lives Matter, at least the ones on these specific videos, you don't, it's not like it's capturing everybody's opinion. These are just some individual videos. But anecdotally, there are enough Black Lives Matter activists who are saying, uh, that's not why we're here. We're not here to be looting on camera. That's working against your, um, against your program. So because Antifa um, has somehow, somehow Antifa has sold Black Lives Matter on the idea that they're on the same team. But Maybe I don't understand these two organizations well enough, and you can, you can correct me a bit on this. So fact check me on this. 
Would you now say it's true that Black Lives Matter would like to build something? In other words, they'd like to build businesses for the black community. They'd like to build some economic security. They'd like to build better opportunity, build a better life. They'd like to build something, specifically, right? I don't see Black Lives Matter saying we want to make somebody else less happy. I think they want to build something for a group. They've got some friction, you know, in terms of, you know, how society is organized. That's their view. And so they're, they're trying to fix that. All good. Not only is that all good, but everybody on the right, and you'd think everybody on the left would be on, in favor of that. Why is that not a good thing? Certainly the right is in favor of it. There's nobody on the, on the political right who is not all for the black community building something, you know, building something even more than, more than ever before. All in favor. It, it's completely genuine when the president brags about bringing down black unemployment. That's completely real, and I'm not sure that anybody knows that there's a genuine pride in helping everybody do better. So you've got that, but then Antifa comes in and they mess up that clean message because the message was so clean this time because of the video. Well, maybe not as clean because there's a new video. We'll talk about that in a minute. But for a while there, everybody was on the same team and the black people were trying to build something. I think everybody else was certainly in favor of that. Nobody was against it. Why would you be against it? And then Antifa comes in, and I'm not sure they're trying to build something, are they? They're literally trying to destroy the lower class to get to the upper class, to destroy them. Am I wrong about that? The Antifa is actually trying to break the entire system, but since they can't sort of directly get to the elite, they're doing it by destroying the foundation, which is the black community, for example. So I'm pretty sure that Antifa is the natural enemy of Black Lives Matter, and I don't know that Black Lives Matter has figured it out. The other thing that's weird and, I mean, it's almost so incredible that it's going to come out of my mouth and it won't even sound like it's reality, but I'm going to say it anyway. The natural allies of Black Lives Matter are Republicans. They're natural allies. Because the Republicans have a very simple system. I say it all the time. If you follow the Constitution, you're cool with us. You follow the law, you work, try to take care of your family, boom, you're done, you're good. You are 100% everything that, that Republicans like and respect, and they'll help you get a job. <laughs> they'll help you succeed, and they'll like it. They'll not only do it, They'll like it. They'll brag about it. They'll tell their friends. They helped you get a job. So I think there may be some turning point happening because I think Black Lives Matter is looking at the people they thought were their allies, but where the black community is trying to build something, these supposed allies in Antifa are literally trying to destroy those very things, the exact things that other people want to build because that's how they get the whole system to crumble. I think 
uh, unless I'm misunderstanding you know, everybody's objective, I think that I'm saying that accurately. So uh, there may be this weird turning point where here, here's what it would take. If, if President Trump said tomorrow, look, you, tell me what needs to be done. Give me some ideas about this you know, police um, killing people situation. Just give me some ideas. And then see what the federal government could do. Maybe nothing. Maybe something. So if the president just said, you know, l- let me see how I can wade in to be helpful, but you have to be specific. Tell me what I can do. Is it funding more bo- uh, police body cams? Because maybe I could do that. Right? So the president has this gigantic opening to be the adult in the room and the one who says, you know, there's only one person listening to Black Lives Matter right now, and it's me. And here's what I can do for you. Is anybody else offering? Because, you know, the black community is saying as clearly as possible, you can even hear from um, Charlemagne the God, saying it as clearly as possible that they're going to go where the deal is best. I mean, they basically have declared free agency. They've declared free agency. They've actually said we would be willing to trade <laughs> trade parties if you could make us an offer that sounds good. And I would think that the president could do exactly that. He could make an offer that sounds good. So you may have this weird situation where these protests are going to turn into the black community saying, what's the most pragmatic thing we could do? You know, if you just want to be practical and actually just make results, the most practical thing you could do is pair with the Republicans. That's it. Pair with the Republicans. Um, the Democratic Party, in terms of being sort of a victim party, is no longer, I don't think it's an optimum place for the black voters because if victim class is what the Democrats are all about, the trouble is that they have two categories ahead of you if you're black. Because there are more women than there are black people, just in general, demographically. So because women are also sort of a victim class, they're always going to be a little bit ahead of any other class, just because it's the greatest number of people. And then behind them, it seems like, just because the the trend of politics, etc., it seems like the, you know, the Hispanic vote is more important to the Democrats, for the future anyway, than the black vote. So if you're a black Democrat, your, your rank just got knocked down to third place. If you join the Republicans, it's a, it's a 60 million tie for first place. Because the Republican point of view is American? Yes. It's a tie. It's a tie. You and I are are exactly equal. Um, So that's sort of the Republican point of view. It's a lot easier to play by the rules on the right, and the people would be more helpful, I think, uh, as opposed to trying to destroy your black-owned business with a Molotov cocktail, which I would call not helpful. Maybe there will be a realization of that. Um, Yeah, so, 
What else we got going on here? There, I told you that we would eventually see that missing video of uh, George Floyd's tragic um, end, ending few minutes. Because remember, we weirdly, we had a video early on in the arrest sequence, and we had a video of his final minutes, but that whole thing in between was missing. And what, and what did I tell you? I told you that somebody didn't want you to see it. And now we've seen some of it. But I think there's still some missing. So the part we've seen is a little bit too cleverly ambiguous. So let me say this. You know that video lies, right? If you just edit out a little bit of video, you can completely reverse what is seen. We saw it with the Covington kids situation. You've seen it with enough situations. You know that as a general truth, if video is edited even a little bit, it can completely reverse what you saw. We have not yet seen the full video of the stop from beginning through death. There's still a piece missing. And here's what's really sketchy about the piece we're seeing. It seems to start when there's something happening inside the cop car. You can see cops from both sides. And based on their feet, you can see that there's something like a struggle going on inside the back seat of the cop car. And that it looks like that that, that must be some kind of a physical struggle with uh, George Floyd. And then you see them exit around the corner, and then they end up by the bumper, but you're looking from the other view, so you, you can just tell that that's where they are, but you can't see much happening. So here's what's still missing. What happened just before the altercation in the cop car? Why is it that we would see this video that starts, it starts exactly when it's ambiguous? Because, because what the tweet that I saw was somebody who, who imagined that it was a video, and I say imagined because you can't tell. He imagined that what was happening inside the car that you can't see at all. There, there's no visibility really in the car. Um, but you know there's some kind of altercation going on there because of the legs on the outside. So one person imagined that that was the police beating up George Floyd, just beating him up. Now, is that possible? Yes, anything's possible. But could it be that there was something else going on? Somebody had suggested, I think uh, Ian had suggested, that he had said something about being claustrophobic when he was, you know, toward, toward his, his final words there. Now, if he was claustrophobic, there might have been maybe some kind of a panic situation in the back of the car. It could have been misinterpreted as resisting arrest when it might have been more of a panic? Maybe. I'm just saying that we don't know what's, what to rule in or what to rule out. We still have a black hole of, you know, of non-information there. So I would ask you to be really careful when you see that new video from the new angle because it's missing probably the most important part. And I'm guessing that the most important part, the missing part, Somebody doesn't want you to see because it might change your mind about something. Now, it could change your mind in the wrong way, meaning it could be misleading. 
So it's possible that somebody doesn't want you to see it because it's misleading. You can't rule that out. That would be a legitimate reason to hold it back. You know, if you thought it was going to cause a race riot and it was misleading, you know, a reasonable person might, might decide, eh, I'll just hold it back. But another reason to hold it back is that you want to mislead. We don't know. We don't know who has the video, and we don't know why they're holding back. We assume that it, the whole video exists, because it would be kind of weird if it doesn't. But there's probably something that happened right before they put him in the car that would suggest where the bad behavior, you know, where, where the sequence of events started, I guess, and that maybe would give you some greater understanding of the whole situation. Uh, that said, there's no excuse for killing the guy who's, uh, once, he's, once he's down on the ground. So, so there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered there. Uh, the weirdest thing about these protests is that the whole point of the protest is against the police. At least that's the trigger for it. Uh, as I said, Antifa is there for their own reasons, and they're not being especially helpful to Black Lives Matter. But given that the trigger for it, and at least Black Lives Matter's main issue, is the police, the weirdest thing that's coming out of this so far, and fact-check me if I'm wrong, are we not seeing the police in lots of different cities being both restrained and really professional and quite effective? Is that what... Bike police shooting tear gas? I haven't seen that. But wouldn't you say that they're actually doing a pretty darn good job? So if the protests were supposed to put pressure on the police, the weird thing that happened is it made all the protesters look like bad people because of the looting. Now, let me say as clearly as I can, the percentage of protesters who were actively looting, I imagine, was pretty small. 2%. Tops. Maybe 2% of the protesters did any looting or defacing property. But the way these things work, it ends up smearing the entire operation. So the protesters are getting their reputation completely smeared by the 2% who are doing the looting and whatnot, throwing bricks. But the police are looking really strong, professional, restrained. I haven't seen anything yet, and there should have been a lot of, a lot of examples of it, but I haven't seen anything yet that, that strikes me as you know, outrageous police behavior. Now, of course, there are a lot of cameras there, so there's a lot of reason to be on your best behavior. But it's a tough situation, really tough situation. I do not envy the, the police who are there. And I have to ask you this question. I wonder if things would have been better with none. Because it was the Antifa people breaking windows, I think, which mostly attracts the police. Then once the police are there, Black Lives Matter, who is mostly angry at police, now have a whole new reason to be angry because they're right there and they're looking threatening. So it looks like Black Lives Matter is the big loser in this because it accidentally made the police look really professional while making black lives look really bad because of these 2% of looters and, and the Antifa causing trouble. 
All right. Well, I'm sure there will be examples of police behaving badly as well. Um, but we'll, because there'll be, there are a lot of people involved, so you can't expect everybody to do a good job. Somebody says another umbrella agent was spotted at the White House protests. Yeah, uh, I saw some pictures, who knows how real they are, of people with umbrellas, and, and they seem to have little uh, uh, wires, you know, the kind that Secret Service would have to have a, an earpiece. But I don't even know if those pictures are real. It could have been easily photoshopped or something. Uh, the left is breathlessly saying it's not Antifa, it's Proud Boys. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Um, I think the number of uh, conspiracy theories that's good, that are, will grow out of this will be just amazing. All right. Um, an FBI guy was hit with a brick. Is that true? Has Black Lives Matter denounced the looting? Well, I'm seeing videos of organizers yelling at the looters quite aggressively. So the only thing we know is that individual Black Lives Matter are, are very aggressively trying to stop the bad behavior, but there's just so much they can do. It's not like they're armed. Um, how did they get all their black outfits so fast? Well, if you're talking about Antifa, they, they've had them for a long time. Um, CNN says they don't know who the bad protesters are. There, there are definitely some people there who are there to cause trouble, and they came in from other places. So I don't know how we'll find all those people who came in from other places, but um, so Kamala was at the White House protest today. God, I, I wish I wish Biden would just go ahead and name Kamala Harris as his vice president choice because all this waiting is killing me. Um, yeah, videos are popping up all over Twitter of Black Lives Matter condemning Antifa. I've seen three of them, I think, so far, so I would expect more. Um, somebody says look up a Michael Malice tweet I gotta tell you if you're not watching Michael Malice's uh, Twitter feed this week you're really missing a show you know, every, every now and then have you noticed there'll be people who are good at tweeting but they'll just have like a, a world class Grammy winning week <laughs> I think Michael Malice is having one of those Grammy winning you know, tweeting weeks. Uh, he had me in stitches with a few tweets already this week. Oh, yes. So I forgot to mention. So, you know, there was that big Lancet um, article saying that uh, there had been a study showing that hydroxychloroquine was dangerous and it killed more people than it saved. And then the World Health Organization, the very dependable World Health Organization, uh, decided to, you know, Stop all the uh, stop all the trials everywhere in the world of, of hydroxychloroquine. Now, it turns out that the Lancet article uh, looks like it's being essentially debunked by Lancet itself. They found a bunch of problems after the fact, so even Lancet is is you know recanting basically and saying and saying there there's not enough information to make a determination. So in other words the study doesn't tell you anything. And now Lancet is saying that. 
Um, but more interestingly, I just read it, I tweeted this, uh, you should read about how this study was put together. <laughs> if you think the Steele dossier was a bunch of bullshit, <laughs> you got to read how this Lancet, it wasn't, Lancet just was the article was in the Lancet, so it wasn't Lancet's fault. But apparently all the data came from basically one company that purported that it got the data from all the different hospitals. But everybody smart who knew enough about the situation looked at what they had and said, I don't think you really could do that. Like it seemed impossible that they would have the data they said they had. And then you dig a little deeper, and it's a company of five people. And you dig a little deeper, but it's really just one guy. And you dig a little deeper, and it's one guy that didn't exist before February. It's basically... (laughs) basically the entity that came up with the study used a source of data, the source of which is about as credible as a Nigerian uh, prince asking you for money to help him get his fortune uh, out, of the, out of the banker's hands. It, it is hilariously non-credible, meaning there's, you read about it, so just look at my Twitter feed if you want to read the details. But a, a doctor looked into it and, uh, and, and found there's just no credibility to it. So the World Health Organization, once again, did the wrong thing. Now, if you're checking my record against the World Health Organization, I'm up to, what, uh, 6-0? Every time I've disagreed with the World Health Organization, I've been, I've been proven correct. I, I'm, not a, I'm not saying I'm a medical expert. I make no such claim. I'm simply pointing out that if you were to compare our track records, I have been far, far superior in medical recommendations than the World Health Organization. Do you know who else has been more accurate than the World Health Organization, Magic 8-Ball, uh-huh. Coin Flip, uh-huh. Monkey with a Dart, Mike Cernovich. <laughs> I didn't mean to say Mike Cernovich directly after Monkey with a Dart. Simply, these are entities, <laughs> Kreskin, <laughs> Trump, basically everybody in the world. <laughs> That's so funny. The World Health Organization is literally the least credible health organization in the world. What do you, what do you call the most irrelevant uh, medical organization? Who? Kind of perfect. It's like the simulation. Just wanted them to be called who? Because that's what you call irrelevant things. Hey, did you hear about the irrelevant person? Who? course not. Nobody's heard of irrelevant things. Who? All right, well, I think I beat that horse. All right, that's all for now. I will talk to you in the morning. You know where. <laughs>